And Jesus, this morning, we are here for you. We want to come and lift your name on high in this church, over our families, over this village, over the nation. We lift your name on high. We glorify your name. We worship you. We surrender to you this morning, and we bow low as we lift you up high. Just come and dwell. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 49, a tree and its fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasures, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell and great was the ruin of that house. This is the word of the Lord. I've got 10 minutes. That's all they've given me this morning. Okay, are you ready? It's going to be a full 10 minutes. Holy Spirit, I need your help. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I can't remember the last 10-minute talk I did in this church. So let your mercies be new today. <laughs> and we just want to thank you that you really are the best teacher. You guide us into all truth. You're so good to us. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. Help us now, we pray. In your name. Amen. We're living in crazy days. And I don't need to paint the cultural picture. Everything feels like it's been injected with steroids. Institutions are shaking, world systems are shaking. Uh, there's just massive things suddenly being thought about or re-examined that affect the very fabric of what it means to live as a human being in the Western world. There's massive stuff shaking. It's tempting to think that the days are worse than they've ever been, but we have to remember that according to Jesus, we are living in the last days. Jesus said there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, people rising against each other, nations rising against nation. We're, li we're living in that and have been ever since Jesus ascended. When Peter stood up in Acts 2, he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. So have you received the Holy Spirit or are you living in the last days? And one day Jesus will return to put everything right again. But until then, we're living in the last days. And I'm blown away by the skill of Jesus as a leader to prepare us. 
If I was trying to start a movement and then leave it to a few fishermen, tax collectors, and bulls in China shops, then I would give them manual after manual, seminar after seminar. I would then do the follow-up, you know, six months. But Jesus gives them, in what feels like three short years, everything they need. And there's two aspects here that Jesus finishes his teaching in what Matthew would call the Sermon on the Mount, this is Luke's version of it, that help equip us for crazy days. They equip us on, in two areas. One is discernment, and two is resilience. Has anybody bumped into confusion at the moment? Like, there's confusion in the world, but there's confusion in the church, isn't there? I mean, just go on YouTube, you'll find... 12 different people saying different things about the same thing. It's so hard, it feels, to understand what's going on. So we need discernment like never before, and Jesus helps us here. Secondly, if Jesus released this teaching in 2023, he would make a lot of money because everybody's talking about resilience and how to withstand challenges and pressure. So we're going to look at what he says, and it's really simple but it's really powerful. Discernment. Vital, because Jesus said, when I go, there'll be false prophets, false teachers, antichrists. People will rise to deceive you. Right throughout the New Testament, they are warning us against those who are just twisting away or just leading people in a different direction. How can you tell what is of God and what is not. When you come across a teaching or a prophetic word or a ministry, or even you encounter someone and their atmosphere, how can you tell? Well, it's hard. And this is why Jesus uses the analogy from nature. When my trees will provide us with apples in about three months' time, that's a, a kind of six or nine month long process. And it's hard to tell even now whether we'll have a good harvest or whether it'll be a lean harvest. You can't always tell straight away. But the truth is, according to this analogy, that eventually the fruit will prove, prove itself. Because what Jesus says is, what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart and it can't be hidden. A tree might, an apple tree might want to be a pear tree, but it will produce apples. A bad tree eventually shows itself. And so when we're discerning, we have to give things a bit of time, and then we have to look at what's the fruit. And so if I bump into someone that I'm not sure about, under the caveat of just a few verses before we're commanded not to judge, but alongside not judging... We're also commanded by Jesus to be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. So we need to assess and discern and see what's going on. So when I'm doing that, I'm thinking to myself, are they bearing godly fruit? What's the feeling of this? As in, do I feel heavy and oppressed and full of fear? Or do Because we know where that stuff comes from. Or do I feel, even if it's serious talk, 
do I feel that, that there's a foundation here of what feels like Jesus, which is John 10.10, life. It might be a serious thing, but it's life, and life in all its fullness. Paul said in uh, Galatians 5, where my thing is just falling out of, um, I'm going to repeat these verses from last week, um, because here Paul talks in Galatians 5 about the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the flesh are obvious, verse 19 of chapter 5, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery. They feel obvious, don't they? We know sorcery, witchcraft, all of that stuff, that's bad, isn't it? Adultery, fornication, it's it's not the stuff of of God. But these ones are a bit subtler, aren't they? Enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. So when... Over time, you begin to the fruit of this just feels like it's divisive. The fruit of this feels like it causes, like jealousy or anger. The fruit of this is causing people to quarrel, and not because of the gospel, because of lesser things. You go, okay, this is this is one of those fig trees which isn't bearing fruit. This is not good. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if I'm trying to assess what's going on, or should I go to this group, or should I listen to this teaching, what are the fruits they're bearing? And are they marked by the fruits of the Holy Spirit? What, what's this person's life like? What's their church history like? What's their household like? Good test. Would I put my children under their care? (laughs) And that may answer a lot of things for you. Because they might seem wonderful, but they might be operating from the wrong spirit. Okay? Is that helpful? That's your discernment teaching from Jesus. And if we're the cause of any of those, that's why we have the Lord. We confess. We repent, we ask for his healing of of our hearts, and we replace it with the Holy Spirit. We walk in the opposite, according to the things of his kingdom. Is this good? So it's not just out there, it's also me. If I'm causing envy, if I'm causing dissension, if I, yeah, okay? Right. Who would like Jesus' best talk on resilience? What he doesn't say is, do lots of soaking. What he doesn't say is go to Barbados and lie on the beach for three weeks. What he doesn't say is, um, what he says is really, really simple. The first thing he says is, you will get hit by a flood. He doesn't say, if you do everything right, you'll live a sort of sugar-coated life and you'll never have any problems. (laughs) Jesus says, everyone's going to hate you because of me. All nations will persecute you because of me. Um, This is saying in life, if you are living faithfully, you will have challenges. I remember um, Bill Johnson, who's an American pastor, saying years ago, and I loved it. He said, if you never bump into a demon, 
maybe you're heading in the same direction as them. <laughs> so good, isn't it? If, if you're living faithfully, you will have challenges. This is the story of Luke, and it will be the story of Acts. You know, they're doing the right thing in God, and yet there's opposition and challenge. And the enemies behind that seeking to stir things up against God's people. So we are going to have floods, and floods are destructive. They cause devastation. But the way we are not taken out is very, very simple. The way we're not taken out, according to Jesus, says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? So he's referring to a bunch of people who say, Jesus, you're my Lord, but they don't do what he teaches. They've divorced what Jesus says from who he is. What they do is they, they, they say, Jesus, 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 and then they do whatever they want to do, or they follow what they think is earthly wisdom. And that, my friends, is where you create a pocket Jesus. <laughs> I trawled the Catholic sites on Amazon to find this guy. <laughs> he fits in my pocket. No one knows he's really there. And it's all on my terms. And he fits perfectly into my life. This is at the heart of some of the, the big debates going on in the National Church of England at the moment. Oh, we love Jesus. Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus was into social justice. Da -da -da. And he was. Oh, but we don't want to... We don't like this bit of what he says. And we divorce Jesus' teaching from who he is. And therefore, we create an idealized pocket Jesus from who is actually a figment of our own imagination. Because, Jesus says, the one who does my words, my teachings, is like the person who builds a house and a flood comes and crashes against it. And it withstands. But the one who doesn't, who says, Jesus, 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 and follows worldly wisdom, or doesn't put Jesus' words into practice, their life will become great ruin, is what Jesus says. So, the reason that is, is because Jesus' teaching are an expression of his heart. And even when his teaching jars and it catches us, and we need to realign ourselves, and repent and put things, put things right in our hearts. It's an expression of his heart. And so the kindest thing Jesus could want for us is that his heart is expressed in our lives, and that's at the core of his teaching. Think about it. All the things that shipwreck people or cause their houses to tumble down, getting bitter, when someone offends us. He's just taught about that. Having a heart for material possessions rather than the kingdom. It's not in this one, but it's in Matthew's version of it. Parading your spirituality and not having the secret place one-to-one -one with him. All these things. Where the outward is bigger than the inward. All these, that, that's what causes our houses to fall down. And Jesus said, if you hear my words and put them into practice, you'll be fine. Okay? Now, I'm going to finish this now, because I think I'm on minute 11. So give me two minutes. I want to apply this to us. 
as a church in a particular way on Serving Sunday. Now, the heart of today is prepping for September and the forthcoming 12 months. Now, one of the things which uh, I just want to say really clearly is there's some incredible serving of God that goes on through you in our church. It's amazing. You know, I'm just so thankful for what everybody gives and everybody seeks to do. But I feel occasionally we're, we haven't prevailed in the area of serving because we too often so like everywhere else. And everywhere else, often, every other church, charitable organization, voluntary entity, they all operate on the 20-80 rule. You know this. 20% of the people do 80% of the work, which leaves some exhausted, which leaves some resentful, <laughs> and leaves the rest of us in soaking mode. <laughs> and that's not how it should be. I look at the early church, and I'm like, wow, it was like they were all just all in, weren't they? One in heart and mind. They all just spontaneously gave themselves. Now, I think to myself, is that because the Holy Spirit was particularly active? Well, maybe. But hey, the Holy Spirit's present with us, isn't he? So what is it? It's the teachings and the words of Jesus. In Acts 20, Paul reminds the Ephesian church, who are very spiritual, the Ephesian church, who are very spiritual, he says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus who said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, our flesh says, I much prefer receiving. <laughs> Soaking, cucumbers on the eyes, it's all good. What? It's an incredible worship team and Sarah D. And yeah, it's awesome. But Jesus says, if you want to walk in greater blessing, who likes greater blessing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we get to give. We get to give. Because we're joining in with the heart of God who gave his son Jesus for us. We get the joy of walking arm in arm with others and serving God's people. We get the joy of lifting the burden off the faithful 20% and sharing in that more holistically. We get the joy of creating capacity so our teams aren't under-resourced and stressed out, but overflowing uh, recently, we had some stats in, and on average, we have about 400 people coming to worship uh, on a Sunday with us. Let's take out 80 of those for youth and kids, and let's take out another 20 of those who I'm terrifying right now, and you're going to find a new church after this talk. <laughs> Please don't, by the way. We love you. Um, if we had 300 people... Offering one Sunday a month on team, that would equal 75 volunteers a week. And I'm bad at maths. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I even used my calculator to make sure. 75 volunteers. That would mean when on Saturday night at 11 p.m., Holly gets the WhatsApp, I've just thrown up, I can't make kids tomorrow, boom, we can press the reserve team WhatsApp button. It means we create capacity. It means we can begin to dream and move on to the other stuff. 
Now, you may be serving really hard at work, and that's incredible, and I honor that, and it's awesome, and I hope church equips you and inspires you for work. You may be serving awesomely during the week or at KFC, and that's incredible, but our rhythm of life as a church is that if you're here on a Sunday, and that's the key time we gather as God's people across our uh, social groupings and KFCs and all of that, if you're here on a Sunday, we would like as a baseline that you serve once a month, once a month. And so what's going to happen is we're going to go outside in a minute. There's some stalls there with some ministries listed from the postcards there. Here's what I'd love you to do. I would love in the next couple of weeks for us to get 75 volunteers a week. Do you think we could do that? Who cares about the future of the church? I mean, we're facing some crazy days. We should be loading Holly's team. It doesn't matter if you terrify children <laughs> or, or, or kind of you've got some issues there about children or whatever. We'll help you. We'll help one another. We can find jobs for every single person. Big, small, fat, round, you know, grumpy, kind. We can find everything. We've got space for everybody. And we can find everybody in the right lane. But wouldn't it be awesome if we actually put what you've just expressed, that we care about the future of the church, into action and load it up on youth and kids. So much so that Andy and Holly said, anybody needs some volunteers? We've got too many. We've built our reserve team for when people are poorly or need to go away, but we are ready to equip these guys to be the leaders of the church in 10, 15, 20, 25 years' time. All right? So what I'd love you to do is to fill out that card. If you're already on a monthly team on a Sunday and you're, you're joyful in that, committed to that from September onwards for another year, you don't have to return a card. But I'd love you, if you're not, to consider filling a card out, making sure someone gets that before you go home today. And it would really help us begin to resource the church and create capacity for the future. Is that all right? That's the words of Jesus being put into action. Who said to us, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let's close the gap. Let's excel upwards and excel horizontally to one another and excel outwards in our witness to the world. Should we do that? Let's stand together. So on the cards, we'd love you to circle which team it is. If you're not in the wonderful gift of uh, financial giving, today's the best day to start. Could be five pence a month, five pounds a month, 500 pounds a month, it doesn't matter. Get involved, get in the game. Thank you. Everyone all right? Yeah. We've got a river of living water. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And I pray now God's richest blessing on us. Help us to be your provision to the teams here. I just, let me just say one other thing, everybody. I have never heard of any move of God down church history which works outside of the church. So we're creating capacity and resourcing the church for the more of God. That's our goal today, for the more of God. So Heavenly Father, as we do this, may your blessing fall on us, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he rest and remain upon us. 
And just help us, Lord, as a, as a whole church family to see 2080 not be a reality here. But may it be just shared, a sharing in your ministry as we serve you, serve your people, and get ready to be sent by you into the world. In your name we pray. Amen.